0: Are you the kind of person that closes the bedroom door when company comes over? We all do, but what are we trying to hide? It's the same question that can be applied to our personal lives. We like to put on a front for the world to see, but it's what's behind the closed doors that we don't want them to see. It's the truth about who we are at our core. Today, we kick off our marriage series entitled Behind Closed Doors. Take a listen as Pastor Rick pulls back the curtain on our lives and speaks some truth we all need to hear. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see such a great crowd. I need you to open your Bibles, your phone, something to read God's Word from to two places. Ecclesiastes, not ecclesiastical as it says in your worship folder, Uh, but Ecclesiastes chapter four, hold that spot. James chapter five, James chapter five. We are kicking off our marriage series and uh, some of you may wonder why we do a marriage series every year. So let me help you understand. How many of you have a car? Yeah, everybody's. Pretty much got a car if you're old enough to drive you a car. How often do you change your oil in your car? It varies a little bit. Used to be when I was growing up it was every three thousand. Then it went to five. I had a guy tell me this morning it's ten thousand for his vehicle. Here's the deal though, it's a very regular scheduled maintenance that if you don't do it, you're gonna have trouble with your car. Got an air conditioner in your house, right? Now, now listen to how I'm phrasing this. How often are you supposed to change your filter, not how often do you change your filter? About every month or two, they say, put a new filter in. And if you don't, you can expect problems, right? So here's the deal. Do you love your car more than you love your marriage? Do you love your air conditioning system more than you love your marriage? Because here's the truth. If I ask you, when was the last time you had a date with your mate? Have you changed your oil more than you've dated your mate? I know. I know. Right? Change the filters at your house and your air conditioning system more than you've looked at your mate and said, Hey, let's work on us. Now everybody's saying, no, I love my marriage more. But in reality, we don't devote the time and the energy our marriage. So every week we start our services by saying we believe that we were created for relationships. So I'm going to stop and ask you, do you believe we we're created for relationships? Okay. We got a level the playing field because listen, I preached this at first service. They came in hot. They were ready to go. You guys are lukewarm right now. Okay. Do you believe the Bible teaches we were created for relationships? Yes. Okay. That's what I need from you. We were created for relationships, first and foremost with God. We spent the last four weeks discovering how we could be more serious about our relationship with God. How we could grow in that, right? So we believe that. And then the next part of that says, and secondly, with each other. And the quality of the life we live is determined by the quality of the relationship we have with God and each other. So that and with each other The second most important relationship you have in life outside of your relationship with God is your relationship to your mate. And if we believe that's true, then we work on our marriages. But then we have our single people, right? Right, I was single for about three years in my life. My mom's single now, a lot of single people. You go, I always feel left out. I don't need you to feel left out because listen to what I'm going to tell you. Everything we're going to talk about that is true for marriage is true for every relationship in life except for one thing. Right? If we talk about communication and you're in any relationship, it applies. We talk about forgiveness, it applies. We talk about grace, it applies. Whatever it is, it applies except for physical intimacy, which is just a small slice of the relationship. Are you with me? So if, you, if you're here today, you're going to get what you want. Make the application to every relationship you have in life, and then it's important that we do that. We do a marriage series, and that we do our marriages right because of the impact your marriage has on your family. Don't you look at me? How you do marriage determines how your kids will do marriage. They are you. You are your parents. And if your parents screamed when they fought, odds are you scream when you fight. All right? If your parents ran to their rooms and never talked about anything, odds are you withdraw, never talk about anything. We become what we saw modeled for us in life. So it becomes incredibly important to do marriage to the best of our ability or our kids are destined to reproduce our mistakes. So That's why we do it every year. Right? It's that important. Now, now let's even take it a step further. What about our spiritual lives? Do you realize that the Bible says in some way that I'll be honest with you, I don't think you'll ever wrap your mind completely around, is that what is happening between you and your mate, it affects and impacts what's happening between you and God. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says this, that if husbands don't live with their wives according to knowledge, their prayers will be hindered. You get that? Like you can spend all day on your face, but if it's not right at home, God's not hearing it, right? So, so man, spirit, what does spiritual maturity look like? Well, it looks like doing marriage right. Not how much you know, right? Not how many verses you can quote. It looks like, man, I'm, I'm in a great relationship with my mate, and if I'm not, something is hindered in my spiritual life. I had a guy come up to me after the first service, and he said, hey, what about that verse in Malachi? I said, I don't even know what you're talking about, Brother? And he said, there's a verse in Malachi that says, God is angry in bringing judgment because, get this, husbands have treated their wives treacherously. He said, Pastor, that scares me to death. He said, I understand that our prayers not be heard might not be heard, but that God is angry with men because of how they treated their wives. He said, that's an incredible passage. It was an incredible passage. So that's why we give emphasis to what we call our uh, marriage series. And we're we're doing a series this year called Behind Closed Doors. And we're talking about transparency, right? So we're going to pull the curtain back. And I love the way Matthew uh, uh, opened this up. Everybody's got a door at their house that hides their mess that they want nobody to see. All right? Company's coming. Closed doors. Right? Kids room. Closed doors. Watch this. We don't want anyone to know how we really live. So we close all these doors. And what we're going to do in this series is we're going to open those doors and pull a curtain back on who we really are. And I'm just going to tell you straight up, sometimes that's pretty ugly. But until we deal with it, it'll continue to be pretty ugly. So would you take your Bibles, if you will, read with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. starting in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A, three, a cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Look at me before we move to James and hear what I'm going to say. You live in a world that's trying to take those three strands apart in your marriage. If you didn't know it before this moment, I'm just telling you, everything in this world is working to unravel your marriage. You go, Pastor, I don't know if I believe that. Just take my word for it. We have an enemy. He is not flesh and blood, and he is working against everything God would do in your life. Then in James chapter 5, and this is where we're going to get most of our content for today. James chapter 5, verse 16. I will eventually get there. There we are. James 5, 16 says this, therefore confess your sins to one another. What do we call that? Transparency and pray for one another so that you may be healed for the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes a lot. And what James is saying is we got to get to this place in our life where we're honest about who we are, we own who we are, and then we can experience what God calls healing in our marital relationships. And that's what we want, right? Right? I mean, the stuff that I've carried with me for years, I am ready to be done with it. We want healing. So let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us today. Father, thank you so much for our time together. You've been really good to us today. It's been exciting to be here. And Father, uh, open our eyes that we might see. And God, give us the humility to be able to accept truth because it's hard sometimes. And Father, we need it. We ask you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start by talking about the difference in real life and what I call Facebook fake. Uh, everybody, everybody has a, a social media account just about it. It's either an Instagram or a, a Facebook something. And uh, we give the world a peek into our lives through those social media accounts. And uh, we celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and uh, a new job. By the way, if, you, if you're in a relationship, now you're a Facebook official, right? Because so-and-so is in a relationship now. We celebrate everything, retirements, whatever it is, we celebrate. And Facebook likes this. They like celebrating those moments. That's why when you get up in the morning, the first thing Facebook does is they send you a list of every friend you know who's having a birthday or anniversary that day. Right? So that you can go, go, happy birthday. Now, here, here's, here's what starts happening to us. Life is, is, is it's really bad if it's your birthday and you get one happy birthday. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody even. But if you get 200 and you can say something like this. So many people wish me happy birthday. I can't even say thank you to them all. So thank you to them all. <laughs> Oh, you know, you know, and the further we go down that social media path, things begin to change and we begin to realize something. People don't like our real lives. Put a picture of you up rolling out of bed in the morning, first thing, hair crazy, makeup all messed up and see how many likes you get. Now I'm going to take it a step further and show you what Facebook knows. They know that who you are isn't good enough, so they're going to provide you a filter. <laughs> think about it. Think about it. You don't look good enough the way you look. We've got to help you look better so you'll get more likes. Oh, that ought to make you shiver. That ought to make you reevaluate everything that we've bought into in life. So we start faking our way through life. And pretty soon, no one knows who the real us is. And then church, right? Throw church into it because here we are. We all dress up, right? Dress up and come to church, right? And everything looks good. The kids all following in in line. People say, how you doing? Oh, God is good all the time. God is good. And we're great. We're great, pastor. Doesn't doesn't talk about the fight you had on the way to to church. (laughs) We've just become one more step in the ladder. Of not being transparent and not being real. So when I was growing up, there was a really popular kid's book. And you uh, don't hear much about it anymore. It's called The Velveteen Rabbit. And uh, there was a, there's a great passage in there about what it means to be real. The Velveteen Rabbit is about a kid's toy box. And these uh, stuffed animals, they do life. And uh, so here's this conversation uh, between the skin horse and the rabbit. Real... Isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you when a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with you, but really loves you, then you become real. And the rabbit said to the skin horse, Does it hurt? Sometimes, said the skin horse, because he was always truthful. But when you're real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once or or like being wound up or bit by bit? Oh, it doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. you become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen to people who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, I love this. By the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off. Isn't that good? (laughs) And your eyes drop out. And you get loose in the joints and you start to look pretty shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you're real you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. That is so good. But the truth is our real very often isn't very pretty. We live in a world that tries to create its own narrative. A hundred years ago, uh, everybody lived in close proximity, sometimes in the same house, multiple generations, right? So you got grandma and grandpa and mom and dad, and then the kids and everybody lived together. And you lived in such close proximity, there were no secrets. If somebody's fighting, everybody knew it, right? If the couple's fighting, the grandparents knew it, the kids knew it, everybody knew it, because everybody lived in tight proximity. That's all changed, especially since the pandemic. Now we've learned to isolate And we've really learned to do this. Watch this. We write our own story the way we want people to understand it. And we put it up in pictures. Right? So it looks really good. Way better than what it is. And I want to see if I can illustrate this to you. Um, My granddaughter. This is Marley. Uh, She's six on the 24th of this month. She is my granddaughter with the vein of Galen malformation. She, We were told she'd never walk. She walks now. She'll never eat. She can't verbalize. She's severely, severely disabled. But you look at those pictures, and those, those are awe ah moments, right? Those are, oh, look at that little girl. She, she looks normal. But she's not. She looks the way we wish every day was. But I'm going to tell you what every day looks like. She'll throw up. 10, 15 times a day because she can't digest food. So we pump her food into her with a syringe. It hits her stomach and immediately comes out of her mouth. Only to clean that mess up, put food in her again and have her do it all over again until you are exhausted of the process. Because of her... Malformation, she learned to use her feet before she learned to use her hands. And so she'll lay in her room and she doesn't sleep at night. She'll lay on her back, and she'll take her heels, and she'll kick the walls all night long. So when Marley doesn't sleep, nobody sleeps. She can't communicate, but she can scream And so she'll have meltdowns wherever she's at, whenever something is uncomfortable or an environment gets too loud because she's also on the autism scale. She'll just begin to scream uncontrollably, no matter where you are. You see, there are some things in life that are too ugly for pictures. Some things we don't want people to see. And marriage is the same way. You see, there are going to be a whole lot of people, most of us here, That if you went behind closed doors, the picture that is there, well, it's a far cry from real life. I I tell our staff and try to teach our our young ministers, uh, closing the gap between what you are and what people see relieves stress in life. You want to take your stress down line those up, right? This is what I am behind closed doors. This is what I look like. No. Bring them together and the stress relieves. And in the ministry, that gap will break you, right? Being something different in the pulpit than you are in real life, it will crush you eventually. And so we work toward lining that up. And that's where we get to our scripture. This is what James is saying. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, right? Have some transparency in life. Have some people in life that you open those closed doors, that you pull the curtain back on life. And then you can pray for one another. And this is why James says it, because prayer is going to make a lot of difference in your life. But we can't pray for what we don't know about. So we pursue, and this is the second point, transparency uh, in our lives. And years ago, I started telling people that the strength of sin is secrecy. That Satan convinces us that if people knew what our lives are really like, nobody would love us. Right? It can be husband and wife. If she knew what I was really like, if he knew what I was really like, wouldn't love us. So we keep secrets in our marriage. But man, what it really looks like is a dad comes unglued at home. And then he looks at his wife and says, no, we're not speaking about this outside of this house. Or he looks at those kids and he goes, you're not to repeat anything that happened in here. And we start keeping secrets, right? We're living under the shroud of secrecy because we don't want anyone to know what it's really like. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, "He who conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion." So I, I, I need you to see how this applies to all life. You run a business and you're cheating, and you conceal that, you will not prosper. Based on God's word, this is not just marriage. This is truth, but it also applies to marriage. Man, if we're living under that shroud of secrecy in our marriage, we're not going to prosper. We're not going to know the life God wants us to know. But those who confess their transgressions, what do they find in the community of faith? They find some people that will love them. Do you know why we love people who struggle? Because we struggle. Right? And if you're, if you're not at a church that loves you when you struggle, you're at the wrong church. That's what church is about, man. We surround you at the times in life that it's hardest. That's what church is. That's what we pursue. So our goal is always redemption. We work together to be more like Christ. I want to look at a couple of things that that we struggle with, uh, um, that our our marriages struggle with. Things are a lot worse than people think. Uh, Most of our lives are like icebergs. You just see about 10% of an iceberg, right? So if you're just going through life, this is a bunch of icebergs in here today. All we're seeing is that little bit of your life that you want people to see and you dressed it up pretty good before you showed up here today. And the people who are your friends, they can come over to the edge of the water and look down a little bit and you see a little bit more iceberg and you go, there's a lot more than what people know about that dude and that girl and that marriage. But here's the reality. You can only see so deep in that water. And the reality is that what's true about most of us, nobody ever sees. Nobody ever sees. And so I want to deal with a couple of them. Pastor, we fight all the time. All the time. Pastor, we say the cruelest things to each other. We say the cruelest things to our kids. We've thrown things. Pastor, we've hit each other. It's way worse than people think. Pastor, we never talk, we don't talk about the kids. We don't talk about our jobs. We don't talk about God. We don't talk about anything. We're strangers living in the same house. It is way worse than people think, Pastor. We never touch. And I want to tell you that I have watched this happen in my lifetime. The number of couples who come into our offices as ministers and look at us and go, non-existent. No physical intimacy happening between us has happened in my lifetime. We don't hold hands. We don't cuddle. We don't kiss. Pastor, it's way, way worse than people think it is. In a sexually saturated world, we never touch. Pastor, we never talk about God. I know we do church. We show up at church, but the truth of the matter is we don't do much else spiritually. We don't read our Bibles. We don't talk about reading our Bible. We, we never pray together. We don't ever even talk about God, Pastor. Things are way, way worse than people think. Transparency is the first step of health. Okay, look at me. Make sure you get this. Because I, I don't want you doing crazy stuff. Until we're willing to own and share our struggle, we're not going anywhere. But what does transparency look like, okay? Transparency is not telling everything you know to everyone you know. Oh, <laughs> well, I can't wait to get out of here because I got some people to tell. No. Let me tell you what transparency is, because this is, this is what spiritual discipleship looks like. Transparency, I'm going to read it to you, means that you share the real you with people who want the real you to be more like Jesus. It's, man, it's, it's amazing. Who in your life do you know is looking at you going, man, I want you to be more like Jesus. That's the person you can share with, because they're going to take what you share and they're going to go, listen, man, that's not like Jesus. Let me help you take a step. So transparency, real transparency, happens in a pretty small group of people. As a matter of fact, that's what practicing Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen looks like. We quit keeping transgressions secret, and we started sharing them, and we begin to prosper. So, what are my first steps? Well, there are two things I want to share with you to kind of wrap this up today, uh, to help us address the issues in our marriage. Number one, own, own our own imperfections and struggles. What I did not say is own your mate's imperfections and struggles. Right? That's our tendency. Well, we'd be a lot better if you, no, start with yourself, look at your own life, and begin to own the struggles in your life. So I'm going to share a few of mine. Some of mine I've shared with you before. Uh, Some of them I haven't. But I will share all of them a little deeper than I ever have. Um, I have shared openly with you that I was always an angry person. Um, and I have spent the last few years of my life asking the question, why? I mean, do you ever look at the, the stuff in your life and wonder what happened to you to make you that way? I'm going look at my life and I go, dude, what, what happened to me? To make me that angry. And... Um, a couple of couple of pictures. Of this before Steph and I got married, I was mowing the yard one day, and we were wading through dating and figuring out if God was in this, and uh, we'd had to have some serious discussions. And she pulled up in the driveway, and she got out of that car, and she starts walking across the yard. I turn the mower down, turn it off, and she walked up to me, and she said, "You are brutal, ruthless when you fight." Well, you know what? All my life I have been. Nobody ever looked at me and said it. And it's true. When that switch flips, anything goes. But she called me out on it. Right? And I need you to hear this. For the first time in my life, and I'm 40-some-odd years old, I met somebody, and I thought, you want me to be more like Jesus. So bad you will look at me and say what I didn't want to hear you say. After my wife died, um, her father died a few years later, and I was taking my kids back to that funeral. Steph and I had married. We were all in the vehicle, and, and my oldest son says to me, Dad, I should have been scared of you. He said, now, you were my dad, and I wasn't scared. But looking back, I should have been scared of you. And I had to hear it. And more than hear it, I had to own it. Son, you're right. I was out of control. I had the whole on my own control and anxiety issues. I hate being an anxious person, and I haven't always been one. I became one after my wife died, and I realized people you love can drop dead like that. Then I worried that everybody I knew was going to. If my kids didn't show up by curfew, I'd break out in a sweat. If the phone rang in the middle of the night, my heart would just start pounding because some, something bad has happened. And life's taught me that. And my wife would look at me and she goes, go, listen, man, you're not in control. And i say, I know I'm not, but I feel like I am. And my anxiety. And I wish it wasn't true, but it is. It just goes up. There have been times in my life I've been a horrible parent. Uh, Especially after my wife died, I was trying to hang on to life and raise three kids, and I I made a lot of mistakes. And here's the truth, because people line up after the first service, I don't care who you are, you're going to make mistakes. Right? I don't care who you are. But you start throwing this other craziness of life in, and you can make some big mistakes, and I made some. And so what my parenting looks like now is looking at my adult kids and going, man, I'm really sorry I was that guy. I'm really sorry I spoke that way to you. I'm sorry I was a crappy parent for seasons in my life. I I wish none of those things were true, but they all are true. And at times they make for a pretty ugly human being. And that is why I need Jesus. And that is why you need Jesus, because we all have our own closed doors. And then, what? what just to make sure you get this, what happens is I'm, I'm this really messed up person, and I get married, and I take all my messed up person and go, "Look what you got! You did too." And sometimes that makes for a really challenging relationship. I want to make sure you understand that just owning something is not just saying, "Hey, this is my sin." No, it's dealing with it spiritually. We address our brokenness, our our the it is the reason we need the gospel. There's a reason it's called good news. We need good news for our lives. And The scripture says that we bring our anger, our anxiety, our lust, our weaknesses to Jesus and what does he do with them in our second corinthians 129 the scripture says my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness and this isn't in your notes and I got to move quickly If you have been in the Bible reading plan for the last five to ten days, you've been reading about Abraham, and I'm going to show you a really quick picture of what's happening. Abraham lies a couple of times in his life, right, about Sarah. And then he produces a son, Isaac, who lies a couple of times in his life about his wife. And they produce a son, and they name him Jacob, which means deceiver. His mama lies about the blessing He goes to work for her brother who lies about the whole marital agreement. Is it any wonder this kid was going to struggle with being honest and transparent in his whole life? He grew up among a family of deceivers. Go back and look at it again. Jacob and Esau were favored by their parents Isaac and Rebekah. Jacob took the sin of favoritism from his mama, Rebecca, multiplied it exponentially in his life and became one of the most horrible parents ever to the point that his own children wanted to kill their brother because he made him his favorite. What I want you to see, drive a stake down in your life and stop replicating the sins of your past. Stop being your mama. Stop being your daddy. And and look at Jesus. And man, say, listen, I want a parent like Jesus, not like I was parented. And I want a marriage that honors God, not like how my parents were married. Drive a stake down and be better. Last thing, tap the strength of community. You have a spiritual community here. You realize that every, every successful, top-level person in life has someone they submit their life to. There is nobody who has every answer for every question. If you want to go, go down to talk to the Thunder, right? Who's that guy on the Thunder that's setting all the rookie records, greatest score ever? What's his name? Somebody tell me. Whatever it is, you know. He's, he's great. He's got a shooting coach. Everybody on the Thunder has shooting coach. Go Major League Baseball. You got pitching coaches. You got hitting coaches for guys who are at the top of their game. You go to the music world, and every musician out there has somebody that they're learning from. I don't care how good they are. Sculpture, paint, whatever it is, everybody who is highly successful submits their life to somebody. Who are you submitting yours to? Spiritually, who are you looking at and saying, Walk with me because I want to be a better man? I want to have a better marriage, I want to be a better woman, I want to be a better parent. Walk with me and I will submit my life to you because it's that important. And what do you get when you come to a community of faith? I Maybe mean, you get people gonna pray for you. What'd James say? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man changes everything. But you can't pray about what you don't know. When you show up in a community of faith, you get a group of people who will hold you accountable who will look at you and go, knucklehead, are you still doing what you used to do? Because if you're honest, you need somebody saying that. Did you read your Bible? Did you lead your family well? Did you serve at home? Somebody to hold you accountable. Rich, you get somebody who's going to walk with you? And here's the great thing. They're going to celebrate the victories. And if you submit yourself spiritually, what does the scripture say? Uncover those transgressions and you will prosper. Would you bow your heads with me? Maybe uh, your real isn't very pretty today. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just really hard to even think about talking about it because I, I know what that's like. And here's what you got to hear about me. I shared the real with you that I'm willing to share. Right? There's still stuff in life that's really hard for me to talk about. And maybe that's you, and and Elijah's here, and Victor's here, and Matthew's here. Let us pray with you. Man, grab the hand of your mate and come pray. Drive a stake down and go, we're not going to keep living like this anymore. I want better I want what God has for me. I don't don't want to be like this anymore. Or maybe you'd say, listen, I've realized I don't know Jesus. I come to church, but I've never never walked with Jesus. I've never grown. And maybe that's a decision you need to make. Or or if you do know Jesus and you're just sitting in a pew, right? If you're just showing up and sitting and it's time to take that step and go, I'm planting my life in a spiritual family where people will pray for me and hold me accountable. If you're part of the church and you're not part of a connect group, right? Because as we begin to share, that circle gets smaller and smaller as we unveil life. What does your circle look like? And I'm going to carry on the theme from our last series. Are you serious about Jesus? Because if you are, it will show up in your marriage. We're going to pray. Our ministers will be at the front. You do what God brought you here to do. Father, thank you. We love you. God, move. God, you know what we need. You knew it before we showed up today. God, help us to respond to you in Jesus' name. thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.